Well, have you ever been walking through a neighborhood at night and come upon a house with its lights on and the curtains pulled back so you could see inside? Maybe you could see a beautifully appointed room or, or some people laughing and talking and having a good, good time and you found yourself wishing you were in that house, that you could be in that scene, enjoying all the light and warmth and beauty of, of that scene. Well, there's a scene like that in a favorite movie of mine, Catch Me If You Can. I've told you about it before. It stars Leonardo DiCaprio. He plays the part of Frank Abagnale, a self-styled con artist who makes a lot of money for himself successfully posing as an airline pilot, a physician, and an attorney. He makes quite a life for himself, jet-setting around the country and the world. But along the way, we realize that Frank has never really gotten over his parents' divorce. And what he's really looking for is love and belonging and a home. Well, after many years on the run, the FBI finally catches up with him. But Frank manages to escape one last time. And he finds his way back to his childhood home, arriving there on a snowy night at Christmas time. The house is decorated with colored lights and all lit up on the inside as well. He makes his way to one of the windows and looks inside where he sees his mother seated serenely beside a lamp reading a book. As he watches, he's mesmerized. It's the first time he's seen her in years and she's as beautiful as ever. Suddenly a little girl appears in the window. And he realizes that she's his half-sister, that his mother has made a new life for herself, a wonderful life that doesn't include him. As police cars pull up behind him, Frank realizes that all his posing and his partying have really gotten him nowhere, that the life he's always wanted is right there inside that room, but he's on the outside, alone in the dark. Well, this Advent season, we are exploring themes of light, how they figure into the Christmas story and, and what they mean for our lives and our world. Light shows up early on in the story all the way back in the Old Testament with prophets like Isaiah linking light with the coming of God's Messiah. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, Isaiah tells us. The nativity story in the Gospels is sparkling with scenes of light. Shepherds are knocked to the ground when the glory of the Lord shines around them. A brightly shining star guides the Magi to Bethlehem. Old man Simeon holds a newborn baby and, and describes him as a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Later on in the story, when this child Jesus comes of age and begins his ministry, as he wanders the countryside, he tells stories of light and darkness. He describes himself as the light of the world. And so all this imagery of light spills over into our celebration of the Christmas season. Candles and stars and halos and yule logs and house lights and street lights, even stoplights, bring up bright red and green. Last week we pointed out that this fascination with light at Christmas has something to do with the fact that we're living in the darkest part of the year. The nights are longer than ever. 
And the sun, when it shines, sits low in the sky. And everything's harder in the dark. Stumbling around, groping along, trying to find our way, trying to make sense out of things. And sometimes life feels like that. Like we're groping through a dark room and someone has moved all the furniture. Sometimes our world can feel like a dark place. But as Pastor Tom reminded us last week, darkness flees when we let light in. Darkness flees when we let in the light. And so he invited us to personally, intentionally let the light into our Christmas. And I was grateful for that message last week. I, I heard it twice, once in the front row here and once in the cheap seats up there. And both times, the message found me. I needed that message. During the closing song, I prayed, Yes, Lord, I, I want your light to shine on my Christmas celebration. I'm sure many of you prayed that way as well. Because we don't want to be on the outside looking in at the warm glow of Christmas. We want to be in the scene. We want to experience all that's good and true and beautiful about this season. But how do we do that? With all the demands that Christmas makes on us, with all the hustle and the rustle and the stress and the anxiety, how in the world do you let light in? at Christmas time. Well, that's what we'd like to talk about this morning. So to answer that question, let's go to the Gospel of Luke. Uh, not to chapter 1 and 2, the Christmas story. We'll get to that in a couple of weeks. But, but to a little bit later, when Jesus is fully grown, to Luke chapter 11, where Jesus teaches on the subject of light and darkness. We'll be looking at Luke 11, verses 33 through 36. Jesus says, no one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on the stand so that those who come in may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body is also full of light. But when they are unhealthy, your body is also full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will be just as full of light as when a lamp shines on you. Now, there are a few very simple but profound truths embedded in this intriguing little passage. And the first is that darkness is the default setting of our world. Darkness is the default setting of our world. Now, we're not told that explicitly, but it's implied if you don't light a lamp, you'll be in the dark. That's how the whole world began, right? Before there was anything, there was darkness. Genesis tells us the earth was formless and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. If God hadn't said, let there be, if he hadn't hung the sun in the sky, then the universe would still be dark. And even today, when that sun goes down, our world gets dark. It's not just the world that's dark, it's, it's the human heart that's dark. Left to ourselves, Apart from God's grace, we default to darkness. John 3.19 tells us that light has come into the world, but people love darkness rather than light. Did you hear the story this week about, uh, about South Korea and the great lighted Christmas tree that they've erected on the border between them and North Korea? You can see it for miles. Well, North Korea is angry about it. 
They called it a provocative, a provocative display of psychological warfare. <laughs> they threatened to destroy it. People love darkness rather than light. It's true of all of us. There's darkness in all of our hearts. When we're angry or we're hurt or we're desperate, we think dark thoughts. When no one is looking, when we think we'll get away with it, we sometimes do dark things. This past week, I was just trying to relax and find something to watch on TV for a half an hour one evening, and so I was surfing through the channels, and, and it was awful. I mean, it was just murder and mayhem and gossip and sleaze everywhere you turn. What is it with us? Why, why, why do we watch those shows? Why do we have such an appetite? Because people love darkness rather than light. The second truth embedded here is that light dispels darkness. If you put a lamp on a stand, Jesus says, it gives light to everyone in the house. I like how Tom put it last week. 100% of the time, light wins. There's no struggle between light and dark when you turn on a, the, the light. Unless, of course, it's one of those cheap fluorescent bulbs that takes a while to warm up, you know. <laughs> but generally speaking, light wins over darkness every single time. Third truth implied here is that light requires a source. If you want to illumine a dark space, you have to bring in light. It's not inherent because darkness is the default setting. You have to bring in light. Now, in Jesus' day, that would have meant you had to light a lamp, a candle or an oil lamp. There was no electricity, obviously. There are no battery-powered flashlights. There's no motion sensors when you walk into the room. Someone had to do something. If you wanted light, you had to light a lamp or a candle. Now, we have it easier today, but we still have the same principle applies. You have to do something when you walk into a dark room. You have to flip a switch or open a shade or light a candle or start a fire or get out your smartphone or whatever it is and introduce light into that dark space. The fourth truth implied here is that light is better than darkness. When the lights are on, you can see what's happening. You can make sense out of things. When there's light, you can appreciate the beauty of a room or the world. You can recognize people's faces and, and interact with them. When the lights are on, you can do a job. You can read a book. You can play a game. Light. Life is better in the light. Each Sunday of the Advent season here, we're offering you a little devotional that you can take home with you. You can pick it up on your way out. It's a simple little tool designed to offer a few thoughts about the message of the week and a little exercise you can do at home just to kind of bring the truth home to you. So I, I used that little guide last week. The guide asked us to turn off all the lights in the house and sit in the dark for a few minutes. So I tried that during my regular devotional time on, on Monday morning. And it was early, so it was still dark outside and, and, and in the house. I, I took my usual seat on the couch, but I didn't turn on any lights. and just sat there in the dark for a moment. 
There's a little bit of light filtering in from the street light outside, but I really couldn't see anything. I, I couldn't see the furniture in the room. I couldn't see the Christmas decorations that Karen had put up around the room. I, I could hardly see my feet stretched out on the ottoman in front of me. I couldn't see much of anything. And after sitting there for a few moments in the dark, the, the first impression that came, came over me is that it was lonely. I felt lonely. Now, I don't know why exactly. Karen was still right upstairs like she had been before. The neighbors were right next door. But there's something about the dark that makes us feel alone and vulnerable. Sitting there a little longer, a second feeling came over me, and that was a feeling of, 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 of being limited. I really couldn't do much of anything in the dark. I couldn't read my Bible or write in my journal, couldn't get up and do a chore around the house. I, I wasn't even sure I could reach for my mug without knocking it over on the rug. It was very limiting. I sat there with a while, for a while with those two feelings of, of, of being alone and feeling limited. And then I did what the exercise said. I, I lit a candle, just one candle on the end table next to me. And that little light changed everything. Suddenly the room came alive with warmth and with, and with life. I, 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 could, I could appreciate the beauty of the room. I could see the furniture. I could, I could find my way around. I could, I could read my Bible. I could write my journal. I could grab my coffee without spilling it on the floor. I ended up having a very meaningful time with the Lord that morning. It got my, my advent off to a great start, all because I had introduced a little bit of light into a dark place. Well, those are the simple truths Jesus is getting at in this little text here. Darkness is our default setting. Left to itself, the world and we are dark. Light dispels darkness immediately. Light requires a source. You have to bring it in. And light is way better than darkness. And that's what we all want at Christmas. We don't want to be on the outside looking in at the warm glow. We want to be in the room, in the scene, enjoying all the warmth and truth and beauty of the season. So what does that mean for us practically speaking? Well, it means we have to be intentional about letting light in. It's not automatic. There are no motion sensors when you arrive in December to suddenly let the light of Christmas into your life. You have to do something. And Jesus uses two metaphors to help us understand. Uh, the metaphor of a lamp and of the eye. Let's look at the lamp first. What exactly is this lamp Jesus is talking about? He doesn't tell us exactly. He assumes we get it, but we don't get it immediately. So we have to do a little digging here. We have to do a little Bible interpretation. So when you come to something in the Scripture and you're not sure what it means, sometimes it helps to back up a little bit and read what came right before it, get a sense of the context. So let's do that here. If we back up to the passage right before ours, verses 29 through 32, we find that Jesus is talking to a crowd and he tells them that, uh, about, the, about the prophet Jonah. You remember Jonah, the reluctant runaway prophet who eventually found his way to Nineveh and preached the good news? Well, Jesus tells the crowd that no sign will be given to them except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Well, well what, what sign is that exactly? You see, the people were asking for some kind of miracle to prove that Jesus was the Messiah. But he says, this generation asks for a sign, but none will be given it but the sign of the prophet Jonah. And what was the sign? Jesus tells them in verse 32. 
The people of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And now one greater than Jonah is here. So the sign of the prophet Jonah was the message that he brought from God, a message of repentance and of salvation. They received it and were saved. And so maybe this lamp Jesus is talking about has something to do with this message from God. We're still not sure, so let's, let's back up another passage and see what comes before that. In verse 27, a woman calls out from the crowd, Blessed is the woman who gave birth to you and nursed you. That's a nice sentiment. But Jesus says, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. In other words, it's not the people who are related to me physically that are blessed. It's the people who are related to me spiritually. It's the people who hear my word and obey it. The people who recognize that I bring a message from God and receive it for themselves. And so in the context here, it seems as though this lamp Jesus is talking about has something to do with the message or the word of God delivered in a person. Well, as we back up even farther, let's think about the context of the whole Bible. Remember, these folks are Jewish people. Jewish people. So, so they know the Old Testament scriptures. They've memorized major portions of the Bible, especially the book of Psalms. Now, some of us here, some of you know your Bible. Can you think of a verse in the Old Testament that uses the word lamp as a metaphor? Maybe a verse you learned in Sunday school. Maybe one of the first verses you ever memorized from Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So, with all that in mind, the Old Testament background, the immediate context, we begin to understand that when Jesus talks about lighting a lamp and putting it on a stand, He's talking about the Word of God, the message of God. He's talking about us receiving it, responding to it, and, and, and putting it on display for everyone else to receive it and see it. And so, if we want to receive and let in light at Christmas time, it's a matter of receiving the Word of God, letting it speak into our experience. You see, the Bible, the Scripture, is like a lamp in a dark room. It allows us to see things and understand what's happening, to discern what's good and true and beautiful in the world around us. It shows us the way the Bible does so we can navigate all the challenges of a dark world. It reminds us, the Bible does, that, that God is, is near and with us in this life. So when we open up the Bible, it's like opening up a, turning on a light in a dark room. I've been talking recently with a, a woman from church here who's had a very rough year, just having a very tough Christmas in particular. Over the past several months, uh, she's been betrayed and abused by someone she loved. Her family of origin has, for the most part, abandoned her. Her young adult children are in real trouble. And recently, she lost her job. She emailed me the other night from a very dark place. She felt very alone. She didn't know what to do. She couldn't find God anywhere. And she was wanting to do some destructive things. 
Well, I emailed her back. I, I, I tried to acknowledge her pain and her hurt and even her doubt. I didn't have any wisdom I could offer her in that moment. I, I couldn't help her practically in that moment. I, but I asked her to do one thing. I said, open your Bible to the book of Psalms and start reading. And when you find a psalm that speaks to you or speaks for you, stop there and make that your prayer. If you're familiar with the book of Psalms, you know that there's a psalm for every experience of life, even the dark ones. Well, the next morning she sent me an email, and this is part of what she wrote. When you told me to read the psalms until one clicks with me, the one I came to was Psalm 9. And wow, that was exactly what I needed to read. It was like God opened up the Bible to Psalm 9. Thanks. I'll see you Sunday. Now, I don't know in particular what it was about that psalm that spoke to her, but listen to a few lines from Psalm 9. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name will trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Now, I don't know how it all played out that night, but, but when she opened that Bible at home, it was like turning on a light in a dark room. It was like finding a lamp that would guide her. It was like bringing the presence of God near to her in a desperate moment. But she had to do something. She had to light that lamp. She had to open that Bible. She had to open her eyes and look for God. And that's what this passage is telling us. You have to choose light. It's not automatic. It's not inherent in the world around us. You have to bring it, find it, ignite it from somewhere else. And it's, it's up to us. It's our choice to do that. Jesus says, see to it then that the light within you is not darkness. And that leads to the second metaphor Jesus uses, which is the eye. He says in verse 34, your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are good, your whole body is full of light. But when they are bad, your body also is full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. When Jesus says the eye is the lamp of your body, he's saying that the things you look at, the things you focus on, the things you set your sights on will determine whether you live in light or darkness. What you look at, what you, what you think about, what you read about, what you watch, those things will determine whether you live in light or darkness. That word that we have translated good, if your eye is good, it's better translated if your eye is sound or if your eye is single. The idea is if your eye is focused on one thing, on the right thing, on the good and the true and the beautiful thing, it will fill your life with light, your home, your life. Now, we should be sure we understand one thing here. Light doesn't fix everything. If the room is a mess when the lights are out, it's still going to be a mess when you turn the lights on. <laughs> but at least you can see the mess. At least you can navigate through it. You can begin to put things in order. You can look for what's good and true and beautiful in the midst of the mess. When my friend opened her Bible that night, it didn't fix everything for her. She still has a mess of challenges and heartaches to deal with. 
But at least she has a light to guide her and to remind her that God is with her. Because that's the other thing light does for us. In addition to guiding and showing the way, it, it reminds us of God's presence. You see, light is a presence. Darkness is an absence. Light, and throughout the Bible, speaks of God's presence. It, it was out of a burning bush that God found and spoke to Moses. It was a pillar of fire by which God guided his people through the wilderness. David found comfort in the sun and the stars and the, and the moon in the sky, reminding him of God's presence. That golden lampstand in the temple burned continuously to remind the people of God's presence. So it's no surprise that when God showed up in human history, that light exploded all over the place. Angels knocked to the ground, signs in the heavens, an old man talking about a light for all people. Because Christ has come. Because the Word has been made flesh. Light has come into our world. Light can come into our lives. So all this to say that if you want to let light in this Christmas, focus on Christ and His Word. I know that sounds incredibly obvious, but it's so easy to miss in this crazy season of the year. You have to make room. You have to make space in your day, in your time, in your relationships, in your calendar for Christ to come in, for His Word to be present in your heart. And so there are a variety of ways you can do that. Weekly worship is one. I mean, here it is, the second Sunday of Advent, and you're here. Way to go. All kinds of Christmas stuff you could have done with your hours this morning. But here you are, second Sunday of Advent. Don't miss. If you're in town, if you're healthy, be here all the way through Advent, even into the Sunday after Christmas. Let the light of Christ shine in. And if you should find yourself in this season of the year feeling like that character in the movie, standing on the outside, looking in, everyone else having a wonderful Christmas season, but for all kinds of reasons, you're feeling left out. There's a service happening this Tuesday night in Wilmington, Blue Christmas, we call it. You'll be amazed at what can happen, at the light that can come into, even into a blue season of the year for you. Take advantage of that little devotional guide that we'll give to you on your way out, or you can get it online as well. Just find a few minutes at home sometime this week and work with it. Light an Advent wreath. It's not too late. You've missed one Sunday. That's okay. There's no sense sitting in the dark for the next three weeks because you missed one Sunday. Find that thing in the basement, get it out, dust it off, and, and light the Advent wreath. Get a little Advent devotional and work your way through it. And don't worry about missing a day or two here or there. Karen and I have a little Advent devotional sitting on the table. And, and if we can grab a few minutes in the morning before we head out to work, or if we can grab a few minutes at dinner time, then we spend a few minutes just reading that and, and praying. If we miss, we miss, and you pick it up the next day. It's all right. Turn on some sacred Christmas music and, and actually sing along with it out loud in your house. When you get a Christmas card from someone that has an actual Bible verse on it, read the verse. Consider the possibility that God in His sovereignty might have ordained that you receive that card that day and He wants to speak to you through that card. Stop and pray for the person who sent you that card. Give thanks for them or pray for them. In just a moment, we're going to gather around the communion table. What a wonderful time to create some time and space for, for, for the Word of Christ to be present among us. And once you've received that light, once it's filled your heart and your home with the truth and the beauty of Christmas, then, then let it shine. 
Throw open the curtains. Let people see what's going on inside. Tell them what Christmas means to you. Open up your home and invite them in. Find a place to serve in your church or in your community. Invite someone to come along to a service somewhere along the way. Chances are we all know someone who's, who could use a little light in their lives right now. They may not even know they're in the dark. They have no idea how to turn on a light. Why not bring them along and let them sit for a few moments in the warm glow of Christmas? Imagine with me for a moment an artist painting a winter's scene. It's a stormy night blowing across the countryside, swirling winds and drifting snow. Working with uh, shades of blue and gray, he casts a cold, gloomy pallor over the scene. Down in one corner, by the edge of the woods, a lone cabin sits, dark and lifeless, snow piling up on the front door. Can you see it? It's about the last place in the world you'd want to be on a dark, cold, stormy night. But now imagine the artist dipping his brush in the palette one more time and with a dash of yellow paint, putting a light in the window of that cabin changes the whole scene from, from, from gloom to gladness, from lonely to lovely. That light in the window invites you to, to come inside, to come in out of the cold, to experience friendship, companionship, and warmth around a crackling fire. The light in the window changes everything. What that artist did with that one dash of yellow paint, God did when he sent his son here to be a light shining in the darkness. Have you received the light of Christ into your life? Have you ever opened up your heart to him personally and intentionally? Invited him to come in, take up residence, forgive you, rearrange the furniture, and lead you into new, good, beautiful, eternal life. If you haven't, then Christmas is a wonderful time to do that. And, and if you've lost track of him, if you found yourself in, in the darkness again, then this Christmas, open up the light. Let him in. There's no reason to stand on the outside looking in. All you have to do is, is, is turn on a light, open your eyes, open the Bible, open your heart, and let Christ light you up from the inside out. Let's pray. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. Amen.